0: Hey, planet Earth, Michael Litton, the last DJ, the DJ out there somewhere that my good friend Peter Perkins is singing about in that uh, great opening song. Broadcasting Ride the Vibe from the super wicked cool. DRS ATL studio right here in Roswell, GA. And it wouldn't be a ride the vibe without my friend and the owner of the studio, Wahid Gomes, executive producer of the show and the magician that makes all this magic happen. So uh, thank you so much, Waheed. And also it would not be a ride the vibe with uh, primarily without the introductions to these fabulous musicians like we've got coming up on the show today uh, from Lucy Pillar, the amazing one with uh, the. Proprietor of All Right Now Entertainment. And just really super stoked to have on the show Fred Sampson, who is a platinum selling songwriter. Check that out. Musician and producer, his best known credit to date, to date, y'all, is co writing the MCA multi platinum, whoa, dude, hit single, I Need Your Love with his friend Tom Schultz of the band Boston. And his latest project is a tribute to one of his all-time heroes, the legendary blues icon, Chester Burnett. For all of you that don't know the name Chester Burnett, that would be The Howlin' Wolf. And we're going to feature six songs off that fantastic CD. So, Fred, welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I'm fired up, man. And for all your... uh, Fans that are legion the way we, and are growing uh, continually, the way we roll, ride the vibe. We'd like to uh, suggest that uh, listeners sit back in a comfortable environment as they're listening to this podcast, get a beverage of their choice. And uh, in the studio, we're featuring some smarkled water from a company up in Michigan, very innovative uh, company, Drinkmate, and they uh, carbonate any, they're the carbonate anything drink maker. So you take any beverage and you can carbonate it up. So how cool is that? So, at any rate, Fred, welcome. Mm. You're in Reno, Nevada. How is it out there?
1: Yeah, we had some snow. (laughs) And, hey, but we need it, you know. Yeah, the water. And um, it's been beautiful. Yeah,
0: I love it. Well, we've got 85 degrees here in the Roswell. Oh, boy. We could use a a cooling down. Well, we are going to play uh, tracks off uh, this great release of yours titled Tracking Down the Wolf. We're not going to play uh, the entire song, y'all. We're just going to play a couple minutes because we want you to go to uh, Fred's website. Fred, that would be uh, where can they go to buy this album from you so you can make some coin as opposed to Spotify?
1: <laughs> uh, well, they can hear samples on my website. Yep. FredSampsonMusic.com. Yep. S A M p-s-o-n and or anywhere where digital music is sold yeah gotcha it's pretty much distributed all over you know how it is
0: yeah perfect,
1: perfect. amazon uh, yeah apple music all that whatever's convenient to the listeners fine yeah. With me.
0: yeah cool well i want to tee up this track tracking down the wolf which is uh An autobiographical title track off your latest release and then uh, come back and talk about the significance of Chester Burnett in your life and uh, the genesis and inspiration for this project. So, Waheed, if we could cue up Tracking Down the Wolf. Talk about uh, that track and and all things autobiographical in the track, etc.
1: Oh, well, you know, so many people don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> the legacy that this country has mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the last hundred years, American music. I've been all over the world, and everywhere I go, it's American music. I mean, sure, there's, you know, local folk music, but you go into a bar, club, it's all American music. Mm. I mean, what we have here at home is just an incredible legacy of music. And it starts off, you know, 120 years ago, sort of, with blues and jazz. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's just crazy to me that people aren't more tuned into it but that's okay you know mm-hmm. i mean it was a journey for me to go back and connect the dots mm-hmm. and go oh this guy knew this guy yeah. and
2: yeah it's this guy did this it? song yeah
1: yeah and that's that's kind of the as a musician you know you become a musicologist mm-hmm. and it's just an amazing trip through all that music. So uh I wanted to do something to, you know, turn people on to yeah. this.
0: Yeah. Um
1: uh, and and so the lyrics in that song in the chorus uh it says where the you know where the soul of man never dies. Yeah, yeah. And that's a line from famous producer Sam Phillips, mm-hmm. who had Sun Records, and mm. he recorded Elvis and Roy Orbison and and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and just a
0: few lightweights.
1: <laughs> the Million Dollar Quartet, right, you know, was right. uh, you got to throw Mister um, Blue Sweet shoes in there too. Yeah. So, yeah, Sam Phillips knew a thing or two. Mm -hmm. And when he heard Howlin' Wolf, because he recorded Howlin' Wolf's early stuff, Mm -hmm. he said, this is for me. This is where the soul of man never dies. Mm -hmm. And and when I read that, it just blew my mind because that just summed it up. I mean, the depth... Of Holland Wolf's talent, I mean, and his background, and oh, it's just amazing. Yeah. People have to go check it out. So, and then we threw in a few of the, you know, Midnight at the Crossroads sort of Robert Johnson yeah. stuff. And the high, lonesome sound was um, another description of blues and bluegrass music, mm-hmm. which, which are, you know, blues and bluegrass, they cover the same songs. They play the same music. It, it There's so many similarities. So that's where that song came from and keep tracking down the wolf, yeah. you know, following that high lonesome sound. I don't know. It yeah. sounded good at the time.
0: Uh, so, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and as I read the, you know, some of the write-up that you were kind enough to send me, I also picked up that uh Paul Rogers uh CD uh muddy waters blues the tribute that he did was an inspiration yes. uh for that and I found, I found it fascinating it, you know in that CD you referenced it and those I would highly recommend folks go out and get that as well along yes, with this muddy, one it's w- muddy great,
1: water blues
0: yeah great uh two two iconic uh, blues artists and, and the, you'd do well to have both those in your collection yours Tracking down the wolf and this uh, muddy waters blues, but in it you or in the write up you talk about how on that CD he bookended, you know uh, the the tribute music or, or the music of muddy right. waters with two of his original songs, and I, I was fascinated. I talk about this from a you know uh, the extra bit of songwriting and publishing money in the process (laughs) that you get from that. I I was fascinated by that. So here you've written, you know, you wrote uh, along with your co-writer, I guess. uh, Right. um, Jeff. Yes. um, This song and then the rest. So talk about that from a, from a a, a money standpoint. I was fascinated by that.
1: Well, Paul Rogers CD, Muddy Water Blues, he wrote the title track Muddy Water Blues. Yeah. It's only one song. He's doing two versions. Right, right. He does an electric version at the beginning, mm-hmm. and at the end he does an acoustic version, and the acoustic version has Buddy Guy in it. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. and uh On <laughs> an acoustic you know, so guitar had, as
0: opposed to electric.
1: Yeah. And, gee, Buddy started on acoustic, so it was no big stretch right, for him. Right. So, yeah, Paul Rogers, you know, I'm a big fan yeah. from... The free days and bad company mm-hmm. and solo career. And I mean, it doesn't get much better than him. Yeah. And that's my connection with Lucy Pillar, yeah. too. Yeah. Because she runs all right now, bad company, Paul Rogers website mm-hmm. and Facebook page and all that. And she's been Paul since free. Yeah. I mean, she was an early fan yeah. in those days. When she was a young girl.
0: Yeah. Amazing.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is amazing.
0: Ama- She's- a, a, a visual uh, almost famous, right? Uh, you know, the equivalent.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, she knows. She's been there, you know. She knows what's good and what isn't. Yeah. And amazing woman. So, yeah. So, you know, when you do, when you record covers, uh, you get... A mechanical fee for each unit sold. Ah, okay. For but you don't get the publishing or the the copyright. Mm-hmm. So th- you get a little more if you write the tune. Yeah. Plus, there's more chances to exploit the publishing mm-hmm. copyright, mm-hmm. Uh, and it can go a lot more places. To record covers, you have to actually pay that fee yeah, to yeah. the publisher, and uh, it's a federal statue. Mm, mm. I think at the moment, it's nine and a half cents per. Wow. And since it's federal, th- those people get paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike, you know, say, the musicians, the yeah. performers, whoever. Right. Right. Uh, That's the one thing record companies don't fool with because, you know, the feds are involved. Yeah. So, (laughs) hey, (laughs) it's a strange business. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I thought, you know, how cool is that? He's going to do a bunch of muddy water covers. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. And he's done them his whole career anyway. Mm -hmm. Back with free... Uh, but to bookend it with something personal Mm -hmm. like that just raised it to a whole other level.
0: Level, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Now, did you think about doing, uh, tracking down the wall? Did you think about, you know, following his model with, you know, acoustic at the end? You did? Yeah, okay.
1: I did an acoustic version. Ah, but I was never happy with it. Okay, yeah. Um, and, you, you know, I kept working on it. I had, it was fiddle and acoustic guitar, uh-huh. and it was a straighter head beat mm-hmm. in a different key. It was in drop D. And I had a harmonica on it. Uh-huh. And it, it was a little more folk blues approach. Mm-hmm. In fact i should revisit that i haven't checked that out in a while but i you know i tried but after working on this project for a while i said you know i can't work on this anymore i got to mm-hmm. release it and then i went and did four more songs mm-hmm. so if some point if i ever do a deluxe release i'll add ah, four or five yeah. more songs to this yeah But at some point, you just go, hey.
0: Yeah, you got to say no mask. Right. It
1: may not be done, but I'm done. Yeah. You know, I had to get on, do some other stuff. While I was tracking all this, I was touring. Uh, Yeah. And so I'd come back and do a song or two or work on something and then go out for a while. And so, you know. It was a long process.
0: I can only imagine. Well, talk about the cat playing some perfect piano on the track. Mark, uh, and I'll, I'll let you say his last name.
1: Ishikawa. I,
0: ah, Ishikawa. Yeah, talk about it. And as yeah, I underst- a
1: vocal. Yeah. yeah, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, as I understand it too, you had a vision of, much like Paul did, bringing in some heavyweights on you know guitar and vocals, et cetera, and that kind of, yeah. you, you went in another direction with that. Talk about that a little <laughs> bit too.
1: Sure, sure. I I did some consulting for a gentleman who runs a high-end audiophile company and amazing guy, great guy. And he he's a music lover and I showed him the project and when I was just starting it, he got excited and he has connections with Lucasfilm, Soundstage and the scoring stage, and I mean high end, yeah, r- recording stuff, state of the art. Uh, I think he has his own private seat in that scoring suite, mm. and <laughs> and so he got all excited, and he said, "Hey, yeah, let's throw some money behind this, and we'll make an audiophile record, and we'll go analog, and you know, high res." And, you know, all those, all that sounded good to me. Yeah. Uh, So I lined up a famous blues rock singer Mm -hmm. because we had a budget, (laughs) Uh, you know, Yeah. and I was all excited to do that. (laughs) I did six songs in a week. I was so excited. I just lived in my jammies and, (laughs) you know, cranked, cranked out the arrangements and and the the pre-production demos and the whole deal, so then this uh, the the my sugar daddy's <laughs> business started to go south a little uh, bit, mm. and he had to he had to give his full attention mm. so basically that went away, and of course just as fast the singer went away. <laughs> shall not even be named even he was he, what's that <laughs>
0: i said who shall not be named
1: well i don't think we should it's not important no, but I'm absolutely a, not i you know i'm a huge fan and, and yeah. you'd know the guy
0: yeah yeah
1: uh, and he would he'd have been perfect yeah because he'd have been perfect but well oh, it's perfect he,
0: just the he, way it is
1: he loved the tracks yeah and said yeah when do we start and, mm-hmm. So anyway, so there I was, you know, plan B time. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, what the hell? I'm going to finish it. I mean, I, I, you know, I had an idea to have some high-end guitar players come in and mm-hmm. whatever. Because everybody loves, at least in the guitar, rock guitar circles, everybody loves Howlin' Wolf. and yeah. Would love... A part of that, yeah, cachet, sure. You sure. Know.
0: Well, and there's yeah, a don't you think it. there's a life lesson out there for the aspiring musicians? A, a number of them uh, that you've gems that you've given them, you know, through you and Paul. I mean, this whole uh, you know bookend the if you're going to do a, a cover album, it if you can with an original or original at the end, and then the other thing I I'm picking up is a plan A and plan B. And maybe a C, you know. You got to have true as a you know Apollo mission triple redundancy on those things, mission critical, and uh, and you can't be superstitious. So uh, I think we need to cue up, if we could, a song written by the amazing Willie Dixon. I I ain't superstitious, and then come back and talk about that. This is the second track on this album. Why if we could?
1: Ooh, you are smooth.
3: Just
0: this Willie Dixon story Willie reported <laughs> that every once in a while the wolf would uh, mention the fact that hey man you wrote that song for Muddy how come you won't write one like that for me right. but when you'd write one for him, this is uh, Willie talking he wouldn't like it <laughs> so, so oh Dixon decided to use some reverse psychology on uh, on the wolf by introducing mm-hmm. the song to the wolf by saying it was written for Muddy <laughs> This induced the wolf to accept the song. <laughs> the song. <laughs> uh,
1: that was a hell of a rivalry.
0: I love it. Yeah. They really, they, uh, as I understand it, and you could flesh this out a little bit more if you would, Fred, but I understand a rivalry, but uh, very much a mutual respect and, and a friendship.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, a lot of respect between those guys. I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't, yeah, right. I can't tell you, but, right. Uh, yeah two two in uh individuals, I mean, man, you didn't fool with either of those guys.
0: Well, talk about they when were, you f- when you first saw or, or your your experience seeing the wolf and because that was it's kind of oh, palpable
1: yeah. yeah, I got to see him at, I think it was sixty eight I was teenager, I was in New York City, yeah. midtown. I'm trying to remember the venue. Uh, Anyway, long story short, he was there with his touring band, the one from the 60s, Hubert Sumlin on guitar. Yeah, amazing. And he spent the whole show on his hands and knees (laughs) with the mic draped over his shoulder, Mm. crawling from one edge of the stage Mm. to the other, Uh, just out of his mind (laughs) just and and the songs they would just vamp on the groove yeah and it was a stream of consciousness rap like i gotta get out of town my old lady is coming home
2: yeah
1: i mean he's scared the heck out of everybody. I mean, he was a frightening character.
0: A big man, wasn't he? I mean, very good size. Good uh,
1: six five. Yeah, <laughs> he he was he was big in every way that yeah. mattered. Yeah, I mean, big voice. <laughs> yeah, and mm-hmm. gifted harmonica player, gifted guitar player, slide mm-hmm. player, mm-hmm. really good slide player. Mm-hmm. And he took care of business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he he had. He had benefits and health yeah. plans for his musicians.
0: And, I read that he was way ahead of his time as it related to how he treated his team, if right. you will, I th- which I thought. And in reading some of the stuff about him, it also, he was very frugal, as I read, with his money or very, you know, uh, mindful. He was not uh, spending above his means by by any stretch. And, and
1: He wasn't, in, yeah, he didn't have gold teeth and mm-hmm, a diamond.
0: And, yeah, yeah. And cars, cars he drove were modest. and in, in,
1: I think comparison. his wife helped manage him yeah. or managed him. Yeah, and he, you know, out of all the blues guys that came up from the Delta mm-hmm. to Chicago, he's the only guy that drove his own car. Car, yeah, with six hundred bucks in his pocket.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty that's, amazing.
1: That's huge. Yeah, that just tells you what kind of a guy he was. I mean, there's the image and then there's the reality
0: yeah, right, right.
1: of the personality. And yeah, you you during the sixties when the bottom kind of fell out of the touring blues thing and R and B was coming in and you know there was a whole new wave. The old fifties blues guys were all out of work except for Holland Wolf. Mm. There's that story where the stones go to record it. At Chess Studios and, you know, Muddy Waters is painting the ceiling (laughs) at Chess. Of course, he denies that. But Wolf was out working. Yeah. So, bless him.
0: (laughs) I love the one where where, uh, they're on the shindig, I think it was, and they said, we're only coming on the shindig and doing... uh, the song, if we, our our song we've just made, you know, Wolf's song we just made famous, if he comes on and sings it with us, they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, they
1: had just done uh, Little Red Rooster. Little Red
0: Rooster, yeah.
1: But they wouldn't, Rolling Stones wouldn't do the show unless they got Hollow Wolf <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on Shindig. Can you imagine a bigger juxtaposition? Yeah. <laughs> Shindig dancers. Yeah. <laughs> And Holland Wolf. Right. <laughs> it's like 180 degrees.
0: Yeah. You got to go see, Do you, you got to look at that video, y'all, if you haven't seen the little clip yeah, of this, uh, It's on uh, YouTube. To Fred's point, it is a quite a juxtaposition. Well, talk about your juxtaposition a little bit. Growing up in South America, born in... Um, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Yeah,
1: Buenos Aires, yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah, and then, you know, traveling in Brazil and Colombia. And then, so, given that, you know, were you, what influences, early influences in that environment, Fred? Talk about that. I thought that was fascinating. Tango. Ah,
1: okay. I mean, you know, South America is nothing but music. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, one incredible... Style after another, right, and right. players that'll scare the pants off you. <laughs> I mean, just frighteningly good yeah. musicians. Um, so yeah, born down in Buenos Aires. Yeah, um, then left there. When we went to São Paulo, Brazil. Mm-hmm, sure. And of course, right then, Bossa Nova was hitting. Mm. A girl from the Panama. Yeah, all yeah. that. Uh, and a lot of nylon string playing, mm. and then you know, Columbia, big cumbia, sure. Capital. I used cumbia percussion on the last track you just heard. That's ah. a cumbia ah, overdub. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it rocks.
0: So you pull I in mean, from all over the all over. From where, where you have been all over the world. When when did you first hear the blue? When did the blues first resonate with you? Where, where were you in your well, life?
1: Like many guys in my generation, I was turned on to the blues by the British Invasion.
0: Sure, yeah. There's so, some irony there, isn't there? <laughs> the blues are dying out in America and then rocking over in uh, England and the UK and then brought back to us
1: <laughs> by... Like that was about... exactly that was part of the Connect the Dots mm-hmm, quest. Sure. Was you know, you listening to the animals, yeah. and you you know, back then you could you had an album cover and you go, huh? Yeah, they didn't write that song. Right, right. <laughs> Ellis McDaniel wrote yeah. that song. That's Bo Diddley.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's and, fascinating, isn't it? Well just Holy like God, this Ain't he Superstitious. Wrote a songs. You know, I mean in 68 uh Jeff Beck's blues adaptation is named one yes. of Rolling Stones 100 greatest guitar songs of all time and uh I think it was the yes. the um Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know, I might get him confused which show it was, but where he's doing Ain't Superstitious with Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and you're like, "Oh yeah." Oh yeah. You know, so it all goes He by.
1: did a great version. Um uh, that was a big part of the challenge of this product project. I, I, I didn't want to do B sides.
0: Right. Right.
1: And for folks who don't know what a B side is, it's a more obscure. Yeah. Number. that would be on the flip side of the hit. Yeah. You know, this is back when records were small. (laughs)
0: 45,
1: 45. Yeah. So, so, um, I wanted, to do the top
0: mm, tunes, mm, sure.
1: The, the most popular songs, but again, they've been covered a lot, right? Over the years, so I had to find yet another way to do them, another arrangement. Yeah, and yeah, the Beck arrangement is amazing. I saw that band first show, Phil Marie
2: 68,
1: mm, 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 mm. uh, it was. Day I almost quit music. I mean, they were so good, <laughs> incredibly good. Uh, so, so a lot of respect sure, for that arrangement. Sure. But I, I, I had to find a new way of yeah, doing it. Yeah.
0: Well, and I um, love that you took you know your your uh, past, your rich past, and brought that into the song on the percussion part. Well, I think right, we got to cue up another Willie Dixon song, uh, let's "Backdoor go. Man." which uh, the lyrics draw on the southern U.S. cultural term for an extramarital affair. So get your head around that, y'all, when you listen to Backdoor Man by Fred Sampson (laughs) off his brilliant album, Tracking Down the Wolf, referring to Chester Burnett. DJ the backdoor man. No, no, that would not be me. (laughs) (laughs) Get in big trouble. The last DJ was strong. (laughs) So go ahead, Fred. Sorry.
1: Freudian sleep. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. I'm gonna have to dig myself out here somehow or other. (laughs) The, (laughs) The last DJ who can say what he wants to say and plays what he wants to play, would strongly suggest you go out and get this whole album, buy the CD, don't just buy one-off tracks, get the whole thing, it's well worth it. Tracking Down the Wolf by Fred Sampson, that was Backdoor Man, that's a Willie Dixon tune, and that's uh, Mark Ishikawa laying down that Tasty Organ Tracks, I believe, is that? Yeah, man. Yeah, so talk a little bit about Mark, we didn't uh, uh, We didn't get to chat about his piano playing on that Tracking Down right. the Wolf track.
1: He, he's a local guy, yeah. and... <clears throat> you know when the when the deal went away to record this in a legit studio, right? I was fortunate enough to have engineering background and a, a, a home studio here in my house, mm-hmm. so I could just keep going. What you're listening to are my pre-production demos. Wow. Um. So, yeah, I needed some keyboard tracks. So I had Mark cut those in his studio and mm-hmm. I just flew them in. Yeah. Uh, we've got Jack Jacobson from Huey Lewis and the News mm. yeah. playing on Smokestack Lightning, mm-hmm. playing Hammond, Hammond B3 organ. And yeah. The rest of the keyboards are me. Yeah. And the horn arrangements are mine and all the guitar work and slide work. And
0: mm. Was uh, that Ben Reno uh, on the percussions on Ain't Superstitious? Was that?
1: No. He's uh, he's playing tambourine on Smokestack uh, okay. on. Uh, 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 well, that's all right. I just uh, spoonful. Sorry. Oh,
0: spoonful. Okay.
1: And he did my album art too. Yeah. He's a producer in Nashville now, and I do tracks for him. Ah. I just did some drum tracks and some guitar tracks for projects he's working yeah. on. So yeah. We all work out of home now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sort of the way way of the world. I think with uh, everything. Actually,
1: it's a great way to go. Sure, Technology right. it's crazy. Technology is there. Yeah, right.
0: You know. Why not? I mean, it's you know. Well, talk going back in your career, talk a little bit about your collaboration with Tom Schultz and how that came about, sure. and you know, um,
1: sure, that was. It's been an amazing ride. Yeah, I can tell you. Uh, of course. Huge Boston fan mm-hmm. and and everything that they've done and stand for. So a friend of mine um, plays guitar in Boston. Ah. He's got the job in 85, Gary Peel And Tom ran a company called Shoals Research and Development. Mm-hmm where uh he, he developed inventions for musicians yeah. like the Power Soak and the Rockman mm-hmm. headphone guitar amp and Rockman products.
0: Was so, he was, was he an MIT grad tonight? Is that right? He's an
1: it? MIT grad, yeah. but not not in electronics. He's a mechanical engineer. <laughs> Jeez. I know. Talk about and a multi-talented
0: uh, cat. Holy smoly. He's
1: He's a genius.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But such a open hearted, nice mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. He's been so good to me. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they needed a guy. Company was growing, and I had some retail background because I'd worked in a music store, like what guitar player hasn't, right? <laughs> so God I rest got Tower hired Records.
0: On. God bless Tower yeah.
1: Records. Long story short. <laughs> I got hired on. Eventually, I was VP of marketing for ah, Shoals Research. Yeah. And I got to travel all over the world. Oh my gosh. I did all the artist relations and trade shows. And yeah. I wrote all the owner's manuals and I did all the marketing and advertisements. Mm, and mm, mm, mm. it was a great time, great company. Sure. So, in the middle of all that, I. I woke up one morning with a song in my head and mm-hmm. I had a little four track. Like everybody, a little Fostex and yeah. I just hit go and recorded. Mm. And I had two verses and a chorus. And, and so a friend of mine, Gary Peel was producing a singer. He needed a song and the song was called, this song I wrote was called I need, um, the end of the waiting. Mm. So I sent him the song and he did a proper 16-track demo. Mm. Mm. Great demo. Uh, and he used uh, Charlie Farron from Joe Perry Project mm-hmm. to sing it and Fahrenheit. And so Gary shared it with Tom saying, hey, I just did this mix. Like, you know, how you and I share stuff.
0: Sure, sure.
1: And that cassette could still be sitting on the meter bridge of Tom's studio. Mm,
2: mm,
1: mm. I swear I swear to God, it could still be there. Yeah. But Tom happened to pick it up and played it. Mm. And next morning in the office, we got I got a fax, you know.
0: <laughs> Back in the day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I still have it somewhere. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's all yeah. It's all faded. And he says, hey, great song. Love it. Uh you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I, I'm i not a, thrilled with the chorus, but I have one of my own choruses mm, mm,
2: mm, mm. that
1: fits really well. Mm. And his chorus was, I Need Your Love. <laughs> oh, and boy. So, and so it went from a screw you <laughs> end of the waiting song to I Miss You. <laughs> and Tom, of course, did an insane production
2: yeah
1: i mean just the intro alone is like a roller coaster ride yeah i mean that guy as a producer is unparalleled he he will chase the dragon
2: uh uh uh
1: you know, he'll do whatever it takes. What it's a fascinating amazing.
0: journey, though, to a multi-platinum hit single.
1: <laughs> yeah, so next I mean, so thing many trip I hear, points,
0: right? So many uh, tipping points there where, if it doesn't happen, one where you know, like the cassette stays there or whatever.
1: You know, as a songwriter, I've pitched many songs. Mm-hmm. That was a non-pitch. Yeah, right, right. And it just kind of told me, you know, as hard as you try. Mm-hmm. Songs are alive, mm-hmm. you know, they're ideas, they're right. entities. Right. And you don't really write them, you, more or less you snag them yeah. and filter them through your personality. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really write that. Yeah. I, I, I just happened to be there with an antenna mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and snagged it. But anyway...
0: what a What a life lesson, though, for, again, those that are... Paying attention it to is. the wise ones like yourself, I mean, it's hey, just crazy. I
1: mean, you can try. Yeah, but this one just just happened, and I, you know, mm, I God bless it. It. Gary. Gary's demo really helped, and you know, mm-hmm. of course. So anyway, next thing I know, it's the lead single Mm-mm-mm. from the Walk On album <laughs> that was released in '94. Oh my gosh. So I had to wait five years to hear it. Yeah, but I heard it on an FM station in San Francisco, uh-huh. and that that was fun.
0: Did you go? Yeah, did you go? Whoa! Holy smoly! And hey, hold that thought, if you would, Fred. I want to take just a short break to support uh, DRS ATL because, again, it wouldn't be a ride the vibe without the generosity of Waheed. Um, yeah, man. And we'll be right back, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, all things music and get back to some tracks on tracking down the Wolf, aka Chester Burnett, or actually the reverse
3: provides professional audio mixing and mastering services. They also provide other creative services, such as voiceover editing, audio restoration, and audio forensics. They have great customer service, their work is fast and efficient, and their prices are affordable. You can learn more about their creative services by visiting them on the web at drsatl.com Again, that's drsatl.com or call them at 404-590-0779. Again, that's 404-590-0779. DRS, when the right sound matters.
0: You are back on Ride the Vibe and we're going to... Uh, thanks to the generosity of DRS ATL, roll the rest of the show commercial free. And while the show is going super fast, we're going to play a song called Going Down Slow. This is a, a blues oh, cool. song composed by American blues singer St. Louis Jimmy Oden. And it is considered a blues standard and one of the most famous blues of all. So if we could, and it's off Tracking Down the Wolf, Fred Sampson's great CD. Going down slow. about going down slow. This show is going all too fast. Fred, I want (laughs) to go back in time, if you would, and talk a little bit, uh, just briefly about getting your first recording contract at the age of 14. That's kind of crazy. Crazy good.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, they were a lot easier to get back then. Ah, yeah. And uh, somehow, we had a band together in Bogota, Colombia, the Wallflower Complexion. Mm. And uh, Darro International Records thought we ought to make an album. So we made two records with him, two full-length albums. Mm. Uh, it was great. It yeah. was great recording experience and a lot of TV performances, radio, touring. Mm. And uh, I, the hook was set.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: To for the rock and roll lifestyle, <laughs> way to go, man!
0: Until you saw Jeff Beck at the Fillmore East when you and then when you went, oops! I
1: went. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I saw Hendrix that year too. So,
0: <laughs> oh, between the two, yeah. you're going. I'm going to pack it in. And, oh,
1: and Cream that year. Oh too, my
0: gosh! So. All at the Fillmore East. Wow.
1: No, no. Cream at the Baltimore Civic ah, and Hendrix okay. at the at the spectrum in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, there was there were some giants walking the earth back then.
0: Yeah. God rest their souls. We'll talk about yeah. we'll, we'll uh, talk about a song um that uh we're going to queue up here in a minute written also by Willie Dixon that uh, was covered by The Cream and uh, I think pretty much made yeah. famous by them if I'm not
1: mistaken, Spoonful. Well, yeah, Spoonful. A lot of guys have covered that. Right, right. Um, John Hammond Jr. was my favorite version. Ah,
0: okay.
1: Interesting. Uh, uh, with Robbie Robertson playing ah, guitar. Yeah. Um,
0: so. What album is this? Do you remember what album that's off of, of his? John?
1: That That's off of one of his Vanguard. Okay. Uh, records. I, I can't remember the title. It, it might have been. Um,
0: I'll look it up but i i'm always yeah. you know i was curious to get uh, other versions of songs like that that's that Well, oh, me too like you talked about i mean it, the mus- the musical musicology journey you know tracking it uh, tracking it down and, and you've got Ben Reno laying down the grooving uh, percussions on this track right
1: yeah uh i i did everything else yeah and um this this version was inspired by Little Willie John, uh, little, yeah, Little Willie John, who the guy who did the original Fever. Okay, yeah. So it kind of has the Fever Mm -hmm. groove, yeah. uh, Because I did not want to do the Cream version, right, 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 (laughs) right. Yeah, had to stay far away from that. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, right. Well, I think that's what I
0: think is so fun, though, and that's what I love so much about. Both this uh, album of yours and then also the Paul Rogers' is that they're so unique in their own right with, again, a foundation of the, the writing of, in many cases, Willie Dixon is kind of the common denominator. It's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, he, he is amazing.
0: And as uh, I understand it on that, uh, going down slow... On the Wolf's version, it was Willie Dixon doing the narration. So, the
1: narration.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of crazy, too. Which
1: is so off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: uh, just
1: just an amazing. It's those guys together. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, just an, an incredible trifecta between uh, Muddy and Howlin' and, and Willie. Well, let's hear if we could, why well, he a little spoonful off of Tracking Down the Wolf, Fred Sampson's uh, latest release.
3: Love satisfy my soul. I'm in love about that. I'm felt- Just love good enough for me and lie about that.
0: The back door man on ride the vibe, (laughs) having a fascinating conversation with Fred Sampson. Time just flying by, so we're we're you know it's just going by, Fred. But in kind of in a sound bite, if you would, I hate hate to do that, but uh, just give me what it was like performing with both Chuck Berry and uh, Cheech Martin, (laughs) if you can do that. If that's not unfair, Cheech
1: Moran, yeah,
0: yeah, Moran rather.
1: Chuck Berry was. Amazing. Yeah. And I expected the worst.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I got the best.
0: Ah, interesting.
1: Uh, I had just seen Hail Hail Rock and Roll. Yeah. A movie that Keith Richard did. Yeah. And Chuck is Chuck, you know, he's.
0: It was a little contrary. He was a little ornery in that movie, I understand, wasn't it?
1: he? He can be a little contrary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but oh my God, his influence yeah and accomplishments so Brian. we we did a show opening uh for him new year's eve 1992 mm. and chuck was a little ornery that night we finished our show and then he did his show and new year's eve he ends a half hour early uh-huh. and just walks off stage <laughs> but, but he's booked for two nights yeah so the this is at Caesar's Lake Tahoe mm-hmm. and the general manager of Caesar's looks over at me and says, "Oh man, what's going on?" I said, "Listen, will will back Chuck tomorrow night mm-hmm. cuz he had just some hired some pickup guys." Uh, yeah, yeah. And I said, "We we know this stuff. Okay. We'll, we'll make him look good." And the guy says, "Okay." So next day, we walk in, five o'clock, rehearsal. There's an actual rehearsal Mm. with Chuck Berry, which is unheard of.
0: Yeah, right. And (laughs) and
1: then I took his guitar and restrung it and set it up and Mm. cleaned it up. And and when we went on stage, because he he had an issue the night before tuning. He does Mm -hmm. every show, but... It, when we were walking on stage the second night, I said, don't touch the tuning peg. <laughs> and he looked at me. Oh, boy. And he... You took a risk he nodded, there, didn't you? you... He, he nodded and kind of yeah. laughed. Yeah. And I hung it over his shoulder, and the dude was in tune the yeah. whole night. <laughs> and and he, he was so generous to us. We had a great band.
0: Yeah, right.
1: A- anyway, but... He would noodle in the key of the song. He never told you what was coming up, <laughs> but at least he noodled in the key so I could turn around and go B flat.
0: Yeah. And then E play. flat. Oh my God. He's
1: all in horn keys. Mm, 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 mm. And then I love it. Eventually, he unplugged his guitar, plugged his cable into my guitar, ah. and brought me f- forward. Wow. And I played the rest of the night like that.
0: What an honor. What an honor.
1: And he did a 20 minute version of Reelin' and Rockin'.
0: Oh my gosh. With
1: with you playing the guitar.
0: With you doing the guitar.
1: Yes. And some very blue lyrics. (laughs) But clever. Yeah. Oh, dude, he could rap.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. And the
1: audience ended up on stage. Yeah. And Chuck was like just gone. Loving he was it. Like,
0: he didn't. He oh, didn't end early. Suffice to say. Oh my God. And we're he, almost. We're, speaking of though, we're almost out of time. So I want to. Uh, I want to play sorry. Killing okay. Floor. No worries. We could do another hour, and we will. We're going to talk about that when we come back. But let's uh, cue up Killing Floor. And this is a song uh, that you know uh, Charlie Patton, a country blues influence on you as a teenager. So we got to. Yeah, gotta he get did a
1: version. In. He did a song called Shake It. Don't break it, uh, which we used to play when I was busking on the street, you know, yeah. as a young man. And so, you know, the Hendrix does "Killin' Floor," right. and a bunch of people do it. I wanted to do a different version, so this is kind of ode to Charlie
0: Patton. I love it. Let's cue that up if we could, why? We're back on Ride the Bob, Michael Litton, the last DJ, and we're not going to talk about it, but you musicologists out there, if Fred and I have done nothing but uh, cue you up to go do some research, check out the connection between this song off of Fred's album, Tracking Down the Wolf, and the connection to Led Zeppelin's uh, Lemon Song. Fred, just wrapping up, I want to have you touch on your upcoming album of guitar-based original blues rock. How's that coming if... uh, I have put you on the it's coming. on the spot. It's coming. <laughs> well it's coming. We we'd love it's to coming. have you back on the vibe when that's uh that's in the can and and feature those songs.
1: Oh great. Thank
0: the you. time has just flown by. Thank Any parting words of wisdom, comments, or anything you'd like to add?
1: Oh, just thank you. And thanks. Thanks for the
0: purpose. oh my gosh, it's, it's our it. honor. We're, we're blessed, and we, again, we could go another hour, and we want to go another hour when that uh, new album comes out. Fred, God bless. Uh, I'd
1: love,
4: love
0: Thanks you. so much. Appreciate it. We're out of here on the vibe.
4: Maybe. Better late than never is my thanks to whoever plays the song on the radio. Better late than never is my thanks to whoever plays the song.